Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start. Hi, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of this podcast. Today, we will be talking about an essential part of any single cell experiment, the sequencing. This part sometimes is a little bit forgotten. And I said we at the beginning because today I have a special guest, Sophie Verkam Richer. Hi, Sophie. How are you? Hi, Katja. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Thanks for being here. So Sophie is a senior product manager at Illumina, and she will explain us everything about Illumina next generation sequencing methods that are the most used in single cell research. But before we enter in the technology, Sophie, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how did you started working at Illumina? Yeah, thank you, Katia. So I'm Sophie. I'm from France. That's the accent. Even though I've been in the US for a long time, I have a PhD in molecular genetics. I came to San Diego to do a postdoc. Then I never left. And so after my postdoc, or several postdocs, I started to work at Illumina. Initially, I was working in the technical support department. So if you ever do like sequencing and you have any question or any concern, that will be likely the team you will talk with. And so I was there for six years helping, you know, scientists like you on the call to troubleshoot their sequencing experiment and their library preparation. For the past two years, I joined our marketing department where I am the product marketing manager for single cell application. And what that means is I collaborate with companies that provide single cell assay, and I work with them to make sure that the assay works well on our machine. Perfect. Yeah, great. And what about Illumina? I think most of us, we know about the Illumina company, but let's talk about the goal of the company. It's only sequencing, next generation sequencing, or there's something else? Right. And so we we have, a, I'm going to give the mission statement of, of Illumina, right, which is to improve human health by unlocking the power of the genome. And so that's really using like genomics technology for a lot of application, including health application. So Illumina started like a microarray company. And in fact, we still have a lot of microarray. Maybe you've been hearing about like 23andMe or Ancestry tests. Those are typically done on Illumina microarray platform. But then in the past 10, 12 years or so, next generation sequencing has really been exploding and that's what Illumina is mostly focused on. Yeah, I did some microarrays from Illumina long, long time ago. <laughs> yes. And that's still there, you know, so. Yes, yes, yes. I know, I know. They are still there, the microarrays. Well, in certain cases, it's very useful. So let's imagine that I am planning a single cell experiment. I already chose the single cell technology that I will use. Respecting to the sequencing part, what do I need to consider? What are the considerations? For example, the kit, of course, it needs to be compatible with Illumina sequencers. Something else? 
Yes, so the sequencing that you will need to consider is there's a couple of things to consider is maybe number one, what sequencer do you have access with? And maybe you're going to work with your local core facility or sequencing provider. And that will be great to see what platform they have available and talk with them to see what is the best option for you. Single cell typically require quite a bit of, of sequencing. So you will want to look for the most cost efficient experience. Then you want to make sure, of course, that the library that you're preparing are compatible with the Illumina platform. So if you're using like a single cell kit, very, very high chance that it will be compatible with our platform. However, sometimes people are trying to make their own protocol or they're trying to do some modification. In that case, I would suggest to do a couple of testing first to make sure that it's fully compatible with the platform. Okay. And giving a step back. So we have the normal sequencing, the Sanger sequencing, right? It is to explain next generation sequencing. So in Sanger sequencing, we are able to sequence only one molecule, the base pairs of one molecule. In next generation sequencing, we are able to sequence a lot of molecules, right? If you need to explain what is next generation sequencing, what you, what will be your explanation for people that don't know what it is? Exactly. And so that with NGS or next generation sequencing, that's really that ability to sequence at a, a ton of DNA molecule. And so going back to single cell, maybe you, you want to compare single cell in healthy mouse versus a mouse that you've been treated with some uh, drug that you're working on. And so with NGS, you will be able to compare those two samples directly to get the whole transcriptome information, maybe in bulk or maybe at a single cell level from one experiment. While we Sanger sequencing, as Katia, you just say, one molecule at a time, mm -hmm. that will definitely not be possible. Or let's say you want to sequence the entire genome of somebody. Same thing, it's a ton of DNA, it's a ton of information that would also not be possible with just Sanger sequencing. Or it will, but it will be extremely expensive and extremely long to do. Yes, this is why we need to prepare what we call the libraries. A lot of amplification to get a lot of molecules that we will do um, the sequencing of next generation sequencing. So now I have it when I do my single cell experiment and I reach the point that I must prepare the libraries for sequencing. This, after I prepare, like amplifying the cDNA, I will need to do a fragmentation, right? This is kind of the first step of a library preparation. Why do I need to fragment my cDNA? So, you know, when you when you do your, um, you know, reverse transcription step, or if you, even if you do like whole genome sequencing, you're going to have those long, long, long molecules of DNA, and we want to make them compatible with what is called the flow cell. So the flow cell is a little glass piece where your DNA is going to bind, and so those DNA molecules, they cannot be too long. They have to be in a certain size range, and so that's why we have those DNA fragments step or cDNA fragmentation. So this is why it is called short fragment sequencer, right? That is correct. Yeah. So Illumina sequencing is short short molecule sequencing. Right now, our sequencing kits that have the longest read length is 600 cycles, okay. which allow you to do 2 by 300 base pair of sequencing. But for single cell experiment, most of the kits that are available right now, uh, they are fully compatible with those type of read lengths. Okay. And 
And after this fragmentation, we will need to put adapters, adapters and sometimes indexes, right? Okay. So mm -hmm. there is what is called the P5 and P7. Can you explain a little bit why we need to use this one? Absolutely. So the, the flow cell I was just discussing about, so that glass structure that is like fully coated with those little DNA primer or DNA oligo. And basically you want your library fragments to bind to them. And so you have all your inserts. This is what you want to sequence. But if you just put them on the flow cell, they are just are gonna not being able to bind to that flow cell structure. And so this is why you add those adapter sequence. So on the on the extremity of the fragment, it's called P5 and P7. It's just about 20 base pair of DNA that will make the library being able to bind on the flow cell. And then on this adapter, you have those index. So what is an index? You know, Katia, you were just answering. So very likely you're going to sequence more than one sample, right? Maybe, you know, we are talking about healthy mouse versus treated mouse. You want to pull them together in one sequencing run because you want to make your experiment as cost-effective as possible. And so this is why each of your sample will be indexed. So we will add typically two by 10 base pair of special DNA sequence on both sides of the insert. And that way you can pull a lot of sample together uh, in the same sequencing run. And after the sequencing, being able to identify which sequencing rate is coming from which sample. So your healthy mouse versus your treated mouse, for example. Yeah, here's something very important that we always need. If we are pulling different samples, these different samples, they need to have different indexes because if we put the same index, we will not be able to distinguish the samples. And this happens. It happened to me. So <laughs> when I used to be in tech support, I've seen that a few times and it's just bad because then you have all these reads and maybe the sequencing run went well, but then you cannot just distinguish between your sample. So it will have to be hidden. <laughs> That's right. And when we are talking about sequencing, next generation sequencing, a lot of people talk about read one and read two. What are these reads? Right. And so typically when we do our next generation sequencing on the Illumina platform, we will recommend to do paired end read. So imagine your, your DNA fragment is like lane and you're going to sequence from one extremity, that's read one, and then you're going to sequence from the other extremity, that's read two. And so that's called paired end read sequencing. And if you do that in the middle, you're going to have an overlap in the sequencing region, and that's really going to help to, for the downstream bioinformatic analysis to have that overlap. So that's why we recommend to do PN and sequencing. Typically, single cell, I believe it's always almost done with PN and sequencing. And, uh, and so that way you have your read one and read two. And so maybe you can hear about two by 300 or two by 150 base pair sequencing. And so that means read one will be 150 base pair and then read two or reverse read will also be 150 base pair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you, you have to make sure that you have the sequencing kits that contains enough sequencing reagents to do such an experiment with the read lengths that you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Since single cell is per ended, normally what we do, the libraries. Yeah. Concerning the, the number of cycles uh, that we need to do while sequencing, is it possible for me 
If I reduce this number of cycles, for example, there are the recommendation for single cell libraries for us to do 90 cycles. What about if I do, let's say, 80 cycles? What will happen? Yeah, I really recommend against uh, decreasing the number of cycles. Please follow the recommendation of your single cell library preparation provider. If they have validated the 90 base pair of sequencing, this is the right number to, to allow you a good identification against the transcriptome. I will be concerned that by decreasing that number, we are not uh, we are not able to map uh, the read correctly to the transcriptome. And also, if you use Illumina sequencer, very likely you're going to use a 100 cycle sequencing kit for like 10x single cell library and that will fit perfectly those library read length recommendations. So no need to decrease that number. Okay. In short, don't do it. <laughs> yes. So something that is really important also for people that are planning the single cell experiment, doing it. Normally, we outsource, right, the sequencing part is to talk with the facility, the core facility that will do the sequencing and tell them what are the characteristics, the, the things that we will like to have, like the recommendations that normally the single cell company for the technology that we are using, what are the recommendations that they ask for. This is something also really important for us to be sure that the people at the core facility know what we want, right? So this is something also really important. Exactly. And single cell library, they, they have those unusual sequencing read lengths, like a short read one to be able to read into all the UMI and read to, um, you know, for your transcript of interest. And so you really have to mention that to the core facility because maybe that's not a read length that they typically do. Also, it's, it's good to discuss with them what is the sequencing that you need for each of your sample? That means how many million read you will need for your sample. And so there's some average, you know, like a, maybe an average single cell experiment. We can look about 100 million read per sample, but really that number can be quite variable depending on your sample type, on your experiment type. And so this is great to check with your core facility. I bet they will have some recommendation, but also to check in the literature to see, you know, for your type of sample and type of experiment, what is the best sequencing depth. You want to make sure that you get enough data for your sample. Yes, normally at the end of the protocols, uh, of single cell protocols, they do like a reference to that. They say, okay, these are the conditions for uh, what they call reference cells like PVMCs. But as you say, if we are working with cells that we know that there will be a low amount of genes being expressed, like for example, granulocytes or neutrophils, that they have a low content of mRNA, right? Mm -hmm. You need to sequence more. Yes. So yeah, this is why it is important to look for uh, references concerning the cell type that we are working or that we expect. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I'm just thinking, I don't know if you will, you know, if the people who listen to your class are interested, but I have a lot of like joint app notes with 10x that goes a lot in that type of information. I mean, I can send those to you and, you know, if you have people asking. Um... I can share it also in the description of the podcast, put all the links, I will share everything. I love that. Then I, I, I get higher of you on my Yeah, that would be awesome. The thing is that what I'm seeing and why I started this podcast and the blog is there is a lot of information out there, but 
Normally, people don't know how to search for it. It's too much. Sometimes it's difficult to get the right I information. Believe- so if you send me that, I will share. I think it will be easier. So yeah, hopefully that will be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send those. Okay. Thank you. And next question is about the sequencers. So Illumina has a lot of sequencers, right? Which are the ones that uh, we should use to sequence single cell experiment libraries? Exactly. So again, that will be a great time to discuss with your core facility to see what sequencer is available for you for your experiments, right? So Illumina, we offer like very small like benchtop sequencer. This type of sequencer probably won't be sufficient for a single cell experiment because you need a lot of data. However, this type of small sequencer like iSeq 100 or MySeq, this is a very good choice if you want to do a test run, maybe with a few samples or as, at a small sequencing depth before doing your real more expensive experiments. So I always recommend it if you can to do such a test run on a small benchtop instrument. Now, for single cell experiments, I was saying average, vague average 100 million read per sample, you know, for such an experiment. So we will look more at a high throughput sequencer, such as NextSeq 2000 and NovaSeq 6000 and the newly launched NovaSeq X, especially if you have a lot of samples that you want to look at, you will look into those higher throughput sequencers. And those high throughput sequencers, you can load on different lane of your flow cell that we were talking about, the flow cell before. And so what core facility usually will do is maybe lane one, they will put, you know, your own sample on lane one and maybe, you know, your neighbor lab sample on lane two, etc. And so that way they combine a lot of sample together and again, get the most cost-efficient experiment. But this is why this is really important to talk with your core facility about your experiment, what you're trying to do, and how much sequencing you need for each sample. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what index you chose, they will need that information. Yeah. So something that is also important and I want to mention, don't combine uh, libraries for different single cell types of assays. I will explain. Don't combine single cell uh, tree prime library with a single cell ataxic uh, library. Don't do that because the results will not be really, really good. So it's better always to combine, to pull libraries that come from the same type of kit, basically. Exactly. So uh, three prime gene expression and eight at single cell, they have different read length. So with that, they cannot be pulled together. In, in general, at Ilpina, we, we recommend against pulling different library type together. I know people do that all the time. That would be on your own risk here. It's very risky. And look that I like to try to do risky things, but this one, I will not do it. It's very, very risky. You can have a huge amount of problems and then you are losing two experiments, right? Uh, So it's better just to keep it separated. Library, type of library, separated. Like, yeah. And after we load the samples, the pool samples on a flow cell, what will happen? Can you explain me a little bit? Can be very simple. What happens inside of the machine? Right. So you will press start run and then some magic will happen. Um, no, no, seriously. So there, there's going to be like two main steps, right? The first one is 
what is called the cluster generation. So your DNA is on the flow cell and it's going to be amplified, amplified, amplified as that first step. And so it's going to form those clusters that are going to be sequenced on the second step or on the sequencer. So the cluster amplification, again, you amplify, amplify, amplify your DNA. And then the sequencing, you will have a sequencing primer that is going to bind on those DNA cluster, and that's going to start the sequencing reaction. And so one nucleotide at the time is added on that growing sequencing molecule, and the sequencer takes some picture, image them, and at each of the cycle of sequencing, the sequencer is able to say, okay, this is an A letter in that cluster, a C in that cluster. And so that goes all over your inserts like that. That's going to be read that way. And after that, you're going to have all these like ginormous um, software, uh, you know, file coming out of uh, your sequencer. And so it's going to process them uh, to give you what is called a past Q file. And so this is basically a bunch of sequencing letters. And so after that, those fast Q file, you will process further with maybe either on the sequencing machine or with another software program to understand uh, which sequence were there in your sample. And here at this point, does Illumina have some software that uh, we need to use or we get the, the FASTAQ and if we go to the single cell technology, the ideal software that we should analyze our data? Yeah, and there, there are a couple of options. So typically the single cell provider, they have their own software to process all this data. At Illumina, we also have a software that is called Dragon that can be either on your sequencer or on the cloud that is also able to process single cell data. Because the first step, I suppose, with the FASTAQ that we will have is to see the quality, right, of our sequence. For that, we don't need a specific single cell software. We can do it. Exactly. So we have, um, when you get your sequencing run back, even before doing all the downstream analysis, I'm going to take a step back here, Katia. I, I really recommend strongly to, to look at the sequencing run quality itself. So each of the Illumina platform and the sequencing kit, there's some specification, which means that we, so specification is like mainly the yield on how much data you got out of your sequencing run and what is the quality of that sequencing run. And so you want to make sure that your run meets both the yield that we're looking for and the quality that we're looking for. And if you have any doubt, it's also a good time to, to call your, uh, you know, Illumina representative. Right, but you want to make sure that your sequencing run went well before spending all your time in the downstream analysis. So you will check the sequencing run, and then, as Katia, you just mentioned, when you get your fast queue, there's some software like fast QC that can do a quick quality control or QC on your read and make sure that it looks okay before again spending all your time and energy doing some, you know, bioinformatic analysis. Yeah. So we are almost finishing. My last question will be if you have something else that you would like to mention about Illumina sequencers or next generation sequencing is your free time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I, I wanted to say that, you know, again, for, for people on the call, if you have any concern with, with your experiment, it's always a good idea to, 
to call or take support, uh, and maybe we can put the email address uh, available, but it's tech support at illumina.com. It's very, you know, we say that a couple of times, sequencing and single cell experiment, they are not cheap. So you want to make sure that you really plan carefully your experiment, that you have everything that, you know, you need before before starting it. That, that will be my, my best bet. And again, our support team uh, will be very happy to, to help you with that. Yeah, I will leave the email of the technical support, but also yours. And for everyone that is listening to us, follow Sophie and Illumina. And like this, you will be always updated with new products, new services, new sequencers that are, there are a lot, always things that are new. And yeah, like this, you can, you already have like a direct contact with Illumina. That is you, Sophie. Thank you so, so much. And for everyone that is listening, so see you next Monday. Bye. Thank you, Katya. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at Single Cell World or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode.